Good morning and welcome to Dateline New Haven. Uh-huh. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the stories that make the Elm City tick. Nothing ticks better than Pundit Friday, which <laughs> we're about to begin here in the WNHH studio with the number one pundits in the media universe, like the dairy free goddess of our grassroots radio operation, the Belle of Our Bell, managing editor of Inner City News and host of WNHH's Love Babs program, Babs Rolls Ivy. <laughs> Almost made me choke on those mintos. <laughs> WNHH station manager and heavy D Donald Trump devotee Harry Dros, bravest Harry. man in New Haven. Harry. The flyest news hunter gatherer this side of Fleet Street, star New Haven Independent reporter Markeisha Ricks. Hello, people. Markeisha. And the like bright I light in the I know, New right? Haven night. The straight shooter from Bermuda, the mystical and metaphorical <laughs> man on the money, the tackler of tempestuousness and titan of temperance. The banisher of bilious bullies, the prince of pleasantries and punctuality, the sorcerer of scientific solution, the blessed beatboxer of banksters and bacchanalians, Joe Ugly. <laughs> Thank you, the sir. Joe Ugly in the morning. Good morning. How's the crew good morning, doing? Good morning. Uh, can I get my mic up? That's why I, can I have it all the way, man. I don't know Are what else serious? to do. I think the mic is, this mic is done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hear you. <laughs> I know. I hear you, too. So Same. We all hear yeah. you. You, you just, just can't don't, hear yourself. You just can't oh, okay, hear yourself. Can you turn my headphones up? Uh, my headphones are all the way up. All so all everyone's, way up. How's everyone? Everybody's Look, all the way up. Harry's I, like, chill, I got you. <laughs> how do I hear? Thank you, sir. So how's everybody doing? doing everybody's well. well. I hear the music. You still got some music playing. You know, I know. It's hard to turn off really like that music. Oh, you like? Oh, <laughs> right. He's like, I'm jamming, Babs. Jam. Oh, I listen. Calling me out. They were jamming at the police commission this week. Oh, really? You know, was, I don't go over there. there was, that's <laughs> right. Babs is all over there. there was, they had a heart-rending encounter and a decision to make mm. that reminded me, even though it didn't involve wrongdoing in this way in terms of violence, it reminded me of the way black people and white people see the world so differently. And when someone, let's say me, who has views I consider more liberal on these kind of moments, I see it as a white person does. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about the consideration of Jamar Daniels. He was a young man, and he, he, he had, the police chief, Anthony Campbell, he applied to be a cop. It was the fourth time he tried to be a cop. He's 25 years old. Mm-hmm. And after he had a background check, uh, Chief Campbell suggested this young man and um, seven other people not be considered anymore to be a police officer. They felt the stuff in their background checks meant them not right to be a police officer. And uh, so, Jamar, they get to make their case before the commissioner saying, give me one last chance to keep going. So the other seven got, you know, the commissioner said, no, you really can't be cops. So they had to go home. And Jamar Daniel, you know, they, they listened to what the guys had to say. So, you know, if you, if you know, sold drugs or, you know, beat your wife, whatever, you can't be, a, can't be a cop. So then Jamar Daniels comes up and he makes a real plea. And he says, look, when I was 12, my dad was running the streets. He got killed. I had five brothers. They all went in the streets. From a young age, I really wanted to be a cop. And I said, I'm going to go. I'm going to have a productive life. And he wasn't making it up. We have stories in the New Haven Independent Files, two stories. He was a police explorer, and then he went to the police athletic camp, and then he was a counselor there, and then he really did everything to try to become a cop. He went to the recruiting sessions where people like learned how to do it right. But there were some reasons he got rejected, and he, he brought this information up. He uh, got arrested for strangling his, the mother of his kid. Um, he said, I have an anger management problem, but only when it comes to my kid. He has a four-year-old son. He got turned down for a pistol permit in New Haven and then went to Hamden and got one, even though he admits he doesn't live in Hamden, so he had uh, broken the law <laughs> lying to get that pistol permit. Um, the last time he got rejected as a cop, he also got arrested for shoplifting. 
And the reason he didn't get the pistol permit in New Haven was because there was a psychological issue. Yeah. So. Uh, boy, you can't be a cop. What else? Well, I know there are some black said, people who feel differently. So Odell Cohen's <laughs> is a very respected retired captain. He's a one of the leading African American cops at a time when the, the force was whiter back in the day, and he's a real respect person, especially in New Haven. He said, I, "I know this kid coming up. Everybody makes mistakes. White people make mistakes. They become cops. This guy's a good kid, good young man." I think that we need cops like that to diversify the force. And he says it's really bogus the way you do background checks. Anthony Campbell, who's also African-American, said, look, we're trying to do better at that. I'm now personally reviewing every background check. I'm reviewing the way people are analyzing people. I'm trying to get more help in how to do this well. And we just have certain standards. So the commissioners were divided. You know, Anthony Dawson is a commissioner. He's chairman. He said, you know, we, we recruit from human race. We're not got people have perfect records. And this, um, in the end, the commissioners voted two to two. You vote two to two, that means the guy keeps going because you have to have a majority to say he can't. So this guy is now continuing the process. He's now going to have um, have some other uh, um, evaluations. evaluations before he can become. He's going to have a psychological test. He's going to have to make it through, you know, if he gets an offer, make it through the academy. But So he's not definitely going to be a comp, but he's not out of the running. And, uh, and I'll tell you why I thought the O.J. Simpson thing is I was looking at the comments. So for me... I felt like, God, how could you consider? Like, he sounds like a great guy, and I do want him to do well and, and contribute to New Haven, but you just can't become a cop if that's, like, right now what you're up to. And that we feel that way about white people and black people, and we are especially concerned the way the black community gets treated by cops, and that we don't want people out having guns in this situation. Want, and, why is this a hard... To, what, what? What is this? Well, he cannot be a cop. He kept going. That's it. He cannot be a cop. So, you know what? If they didn't have the courage to sort of say no... Then the psych eval and all the other eval will come back and he won't be a cop. Because that's this is just them not wanting to make a decision, hard decisions. They have to make hard decisions. Sometimes the answer is no. Actually, it's not a white black thing. Here's a comment there I know is white. said, good story. I hope it can result in a happy ending for this determined young man. Then somebody else And writes, I think if he's determined and if he doesn't make it this time, like, and if they had said no initially, like he's only 25. We've had people as, as old as, what, 40-something Become police officer. Or so he, he could go. No, well, remember um, Officer Zaza, who is no longer with us. Oh, okay. He was uh, a few years ago one of the oldest folks to come into the police service. Um, So there, there's still time. He can still have a different life. I also wonder if, is there also a different um, standard? Because if, if he hadn't done any of these things and become a cop, right, but became a cop and did all of these things. Oh, yeah, it's tough. He'd still be a cop. Oh, yeah, you're right. Once you're in, look at Daniel Conklin. Once you're in, it's tough to get you out. So it's an interesting standard. But that's why they want to be careful before you're in. They want to have fewer of those cases once they're in and then labor law ties their hands. What is the line? Has he crossed the line? See now, Apparently not. Part of the idea, Babs, is that everybody's got something, right? Everybody's done something like, you know, you got caught with weed at one point or, you know, you lost it one night. when you Yeah, were but 18. this is not getting caught with weed. Yeah. This is I strangled my baby's mama. I got a gun illegally. <laughs> I shoplifted just I the shoplifted. other day when I was applying. Yeah. And those are all wrong, 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 wrong. So how do, how do I trust that he'll do the right thing when he's got a gun and the ability to, to, the to uphold the law yeah, this that and authority? Yeah. This guy's a history of domestic violence, theft, and lying on a permanent application, but he's a good fit for the NHPD. They must be really desperate for recruits. And some of us said I was kind of dumbfounded by the thought of a self-admitted anger management individual getting assigned a pistol by the NHPD. 
I don't know. It's, you know, you know who's been quiet about I'm this? I'm sorry. Is there some cure for anger management? I'm just trying to. Joe Ugly hasn't said anything. He's yeah, been, his, he's been his in glasses. quiet management. Yeah, the quiet, <laughs> he's I guess like, the, I'm ready. <laughs> he's being thoughtful with those glasses. He's yes. trying to go a little deeper before he says anything. No, what, he looks well, like Professor yeah. Joe Ugly. <laughs> Dean of the Independent. Oh, Dean of the oh, That's his new that's one. Right, you gotta he's get got that one for the next week. Today, yeah. yes, he's like, I'm ready. Dean of the Independent? Come Looking on, Dean Ugly. Hit us with it. No, my... No, what it is is that Babs hit it on the head. Uh, when do, we have certain expectations from people who are coming in from different communities to police up our community, we have this expectation that they should be the way, you know law law abiding citizens. If you're going to be a police Person officer, we want to know that. I mean, when I hear these things that you roll out, the question I was that was going through my head at first was how old was this guy when he was doing these things pretty recent but when you hear it's pretty recent you have to pause you have to get pause and like bab say make the hard decisions it's a no it's a no because what happens when the baby mama jumps at him or whatever and he's got the gun he's in his uniform and everything goes black but then markeisha made a hell of a good point by what happens when you're under force and you do these things do you get kicked off then you do not (laughs) See? You do not. So this is what this should be a teaching moment for us to Thank where we you. realize is Absolutely. that we stop it before it goes on, and if it comes up when it's on, you get removed. And it doesn't mean he's a bad person. It, it just means have nothing at all. It, it just, just means, means he is not suited for this line of work. Look, you can't look at a exactly. You know, you you're looking at a at a welder and say, "Hey, you know, fly that plane." Good luck. You know, <laughs> good luck with that, Professor Ugly. <laughs> Dean Ugly Dean, Dean Ugly to us and he's and one of the, way, that's independent music that's right he's one, he's one of the he's one of the pundits here on Pundit Friday on WNHS FM your home for community radio 103.5 FM live stream independent, independent. Really, so that one had was it easier talking than thought how about Guy Smith's complaints hmm. Guy Smith to, made a case to deliver those too. complaints in a so southern Guy, accent Guy Smith is this guy with a very unusual campaign I can't figure out what's really up he's this long shot running for Friend of Bill Clinton from the South, has worked for AmeriCares and the biggest liquor distributor in the country. He worked for Philip Morris, trying to run a campaign to convince the black community to join them in stopping smoking restrictions because as being unfair for civil rights. He's now running for governor, trying to get Democrat nomination, but he hasn't gotten very far. It's a no. <laughs> Babs is like, this is the day. He hasn't no. gotten very far. <laughs> He's gotten almost no support, but he does have one supporter. Who? The Reverend Boise Kimber. See, Gossip is a rich guy, so he spent a lot of his own money. And he's got Boise Kimber working for him. So Boise Kimber got two New Hallville ministers to stand with him today. Last, yes, the other day, uh, Babs is bowing her head, <laughs> to stand outside the closed state welfare office in New Hallville. And Guy, you know, this year there, there's a state convention. So many people running for governor and the state party doesn't really have a choice. So all those candidates are out there trying to get delegates to support them at the convention so they get 15% of the delegates and then qualify for a primary. Guy's not uh, scratching together too many delegates at this point. So he got two of Boise's ministers with him. You give me that look, Babs. He got two of Boise's ministers with him outside the welfare office. And he said, the system's rigged. Is there another story we could go to? He's rigged. And he said, (laughs) I'm going to bypass this to get signatures. And it's racial because there aren't enough black people on the committees to decide what the rules are. And if there were, I'd be in. Guy Smith's white, by the way. Why don't you want him, Babs? I'm sorry. What? Is it because he's a copy? Do you see him as a copy bagger? Is he because he's from out of town? What is the reason why? I, I'm just curious. 
What's what's his, I don't even know the guy. What's his commitment to the community? Where has he been? What has he done? I'm he sorry. Was, he was at AmeriCares and he was at this liquor district. Now she looks. He sold a lot of liquor. He's up the back. Has he served in any other capacity in any other? Elected he was a friend position. of Bill Clinton's spokesman for. He was a on the, I'm a friend for of Bill Clinton. Clinton's. I, no, he was that? on the air for Hillary during the campaign. Okay, and he wants to be governor. Yeah. Why? He says that he's an outsider. Outside of what? <laughs> Sanity. Um, um, Joe Ugly. Yeah, wait, wait, and it was <laughs> Professor Dean Ugly. What does he say? I'm still trying no, to picture a Connecticut governor with a Southern accent. That just cracks me up. <laughs> hey y'all. No. The thing that I want to know is if there's a holdup because he's from outside. If that's the major holdup. Outside of what? I think people just are like, who is that guy? Well, Well, you know, I don't think he's wrong. to build name recognition. By the way, I don't think Guy Smith is wrong and Reverend Kember that the state party has neglected minorities. The state party does not have enough people of color either on its ticket usually God, they have more blacks on p- this ticket back in the 70s. Partly, back in the 70s I mean, partly because there aren't the same machines that used to be where they could pick who's on the ticket because there are primaries, but they have a lot of influence. And they have a lot of influence who's on committees to pick. And I think there's a ton I, of deficit. I find it interesting community. that, you know, to make that case, they use the white guy. <laughs> who's paying a certain person to work for him. Yeah. Well, the bottom line is, look... <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, we could look at Barack Obama and say, well, you know, he was just a community organizer, just like many have said. He's just been in U.S. Senate just for one half of one term. So why should he be president? But then he turned out to be a doggone, a great president. Really, he's going to go down in history. And history is always what judge your presidency. He's an outlier. You know? <laughs> but I'm not going to just chalk it up as an outlier. I think we need to get, if we give more people chances like that, mm. I think then we'll see that it's well, not you know, really an outlier. I, think it's, I just want to say that I think it's interesting that somebody who's running as an outsider is so mm-hmm. worried about the inside politics of how things are done. But that's how you have to do <laughs> That strikes me as, yeah, but like, you, but your, your public faces, I'm an outsider. I'm, I'm not like these other candidates who are yeah. in somebody's pocket. Is he rich? But, yes, very uh, rich. But, he self-financed his campaign. Be, but you inside. went to wh- somebody you think is an insider in the black community anyway but you to have try to, do to that. get. How else would you get to the? But you talking out of both sides of your mouth and you are trying to say I'm no, different? You're not. No, he's not. No, he's I think not. You because are. how else do you get? Bingo, Marquisha. No, how good. else do you get name Dean recognition if you don't go to the people who know the people? Mm. Did he go to the people who know the people? There were two people at this press conference. There were two <laughs> Including Tom Breen and one of press. Was, and plus Tom Breen. There was one reporter there, Tom Breen from New Haven Independent. You can watch the okay. video. It's quite interesting. Okay. And, you know, I, I've seen a lot of campaigns that start off with half a person. That that's right. He's right. And then they I, win. I, I, and they end up that, that happened in Alabama. Yeah, so, so, where we, so where are we going, Joe Ugly? You a Guy Smith fan? I'm not a fan. I don't even know anything about it. You don't know who that guy is. I know absolutely you mean, nothing about I, I get what you're saying. The field should be open to whoever wants to jump in. And you should. But, it is. But don't, <laughs> don't want to jump in. But here's what I think is ironic about this claim. It is open to anyone. Everyone and their uncle is, and mother are running for governor. Shoot. Did y'all Nobody's, check? Are y'all running for governor? I, I think, I, I'm running for governor. And Damn I think this. for the first time. I'll be your campaign manager. I mean, this might change. I'm running for but governor. But I think for the Does first time. Does he live time, in the state? Well, yes, nor allegedly. We'll have to check. No, allegedly, okay. supposedly. That's the most important. As long as we're not doing a, a, a Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia congressional race like they did mm. uh, with, uh, what's that, Hoff, uh, whatever his name is. But here's what I thought was ironic about Guy Smith's point, is that for the first time ever, I think it's possible we're not going to have a rigged convention. Like he said, it's a rigged convention. I think he's right that a lot of times stuff is rigged. Mm-hmm. I think what's unusual this year is everybody, it's unrigged. Everybody has to go out there and find out who can get support. Correct. And that, and everyone's like Jonathan Harris. And I don't, like, I don't like any of these cast of characters. You dislike so. them? I don't like any of these the cast of characters. Any way about them, you're like, yeah. 
Like they're all lackluster and dull. You know what was interesting about them this week to me? I'm running for governor. So Babs, this week, um, <laughs> they were they had their um, Need a re- campaign manager? announced the first quarter fundraising yeah. totals. I'm a campaign manager. And you know what happened? It was the reverse of what usually happens. A whole slew of Republicans qualified, raised enough money to qualify public for finance. public financing. They got enough small no donations at the grassroots. Two from Lamage and Boughton, six of them got enough donations at the grassroots that if they're um, if they're uh, cons- confirmed by the commission, they qualify for public money, which is geared to having not rich people be able to compete with rich people and people backed by rich people. No Democrats raised enough money. You had to raise a quarter million, and while Susan Bicewitz and Harris got over that point, it wasn't enough in small contributions from people in the state. So, what is this telling me about the race? I pick up something in that about the race. Everything could change, obviously, as we get closer to November. But this really feels to me like the Republicans' year. Because when even the grassroots (laughs) are giving them the small contributions, Mm -hmm. and they're the ones running public. I mean, I think eventually Bicewitz and Harris will raise enough money for that. Do you think that... I'm sorry for cutting. No, no, go ahead. Do you think that they actually reached out to the smaller donations? There's no question. they did? There is no question they got small donations. That's how No, they no, but did they reach out? Did they really reach out for it? They did. There's this grassroots. I mean, a lot of it was on the web, but they're going to a lot of town committees. They, That's they, not really. The web is not a good grassroots. But they are. They're going. They're hitting the town committees. They're getting the people. They are. They're a lot of, the biggest party in Connecticut is the independents. Mm-hmm. The smallest is the Republicans. Democrats got something like 100,000 change independents. Mm-hmm. 700,000 change Democrats. 400,000 change Republicans. But I'm feel it's feeling like the independents are, are leaning Republican. And that could change. They're worried about the financial state of the of Connecticut. There is a Trump base in places that used to be somewhat democratic or independent, the Valley and Eastern Connecticut. On the other hand, you have the anti Trump mobilized vote. So how much will that turn out to count it for you know it as a countervailing force? Malloy is very unpopular. And now in the in Elizabeth Estes, the US reps district, now she's not running that had been a safe seat for Democrats. That's no longer a safe seat. And that's an area where Republicans have won. It's the most recently held Republican congressional seat in Connecticut, which is usually all Democrat in Washington. So things can change, but I think that was a wake-up call. When the grassroots are giving the public money donations to Republicans, to so many of them, and not Democrats, to me that's a wake-up call for this party. And I wonder, you know, with these kind of interim elections, with the gubernatorial election coming, like how, how much is the national party going to put into I think a lot because yeah. they can they can flip Connecticut. I don't, a real I don't feeling. feel as I, well, I'm in, on the Republican side. Yes, but yeah. are the Democrats willing to put yeah. enough money in to like go after the state and say we're not gonna? They don't, I think the they Democrats don't are I don't like feel it. I don't feel it. So I don't far. feel either. I don't feel them doing that anywhere well, across the which has been kind of of a big like knock against the Democrats that they haven't really been paying well, enough we attention. Were, we were considered a safe blue state. We're now purple. We're in this last year, the Republicans are helping running it and. Have had enough Democrat defections to listen. I just think the the fact that we have this crazy person in the White House ought to have been the wake up call during that campaign season. That that could happen. Like I thought that was the the wake up call. Mark Bounton, Mike Handler, David Walker, Steve Upsitnik, Mark Loretti, Tim Herbst, Prasad Srinivasan, Peter Lamage, they all raised, reported raising more than $250,000 in small donations from Connecticut voters. No Democrats. But that's a smaller pool. That's not everybody, but I just read you. The Republican has a smaller pool. No, Republicans have a bigger pool. There are more Republicans running than Democrats. It's about two to one. 
because they really think they're going to win. So then, because they also have, now both parties have self financing. So Joe Gannon wasn't allowed to run public. He raised five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars by doing the thing he did that got him to go to jail in the first place. He's raising from city contractors and city employees. <laughs> um, the, that's what he's doing. Okay. And then uh, Ned Lamont, who's running as the friend of the labor and the worker man, is a millionaire in Fairfield County who's who's just financing his own campaign. So he's not going public. And uh, and then uh, in the Republican side, you also have a few hedge fund um, former and current people who are. are or finance their own, but that list of people you'd never believe are all getting the public support to run. Now, uh, kid, now anything can happen. They cancel them out. The Republican Party has a great history of of running really ridiculous candidates for governor, so they lose even when the Democrats are unpopular. I'm sorry, Joe. What did you say? No. Uh, what's the guy's name who's running from uh, the copyback, the so-called copyback? What's his name? <laughs> the, who were we speaking about at first? Guy Smith. Guy Smith. <laughs> Put Guy Smith up. <laughs> Stop playing games. He's not running public either. He's just putting Good. his own rich money in. There we go. Throw your rich money and get it done. You know, if I'm rich, I'm not spending it on election. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, there's a lot of things I can think about spending my rich money on. You could spend it on Pundit Friday. <laughs> you could. We take where checks. Where we went down the week's news here at 103.5 FM and live So guys, stream if you want to do something with your money, it's worthwhile. <laughs> hey, so um, what do you think of Mayor Morrison this week? We had a different mayor in New Haven this we week, did. Jeanette Morrison. Our mayor, our mayor was like, had, had a doppelganger. <laughs> she's like in China and she's so, also running around so town. So Tony Harper's in China. And usually when the mayor, she's trying establishing a sister city relationship with Changsha, China, and trying to drum up business. She was with the, I forget the woman's name, the first, the woman who runs Hong Kong. It's a different title, oh, but it's yeah. like the governor is a woman. And she and Tony got together, got a photo that we're going to publish. And, and Hart made this, made pitches both, I believe, in Hong Kong, like the Yale Club and the Chamber of Commerce, as well as Cheng Sha, do business in New Haven. She was supposed to be meeting with companies who have expressed interest, whose leaders have expressed interest of coming here. Meanwhile, Jen met more, so usually the Board of Alders president is mayor when the mayor's gone. Mm-hmm. But the Board of Alders president, Taisha Walker, is with the mayor so in the China, in China. So Jeanette Morrison is the deputy, or they call him President Pro Temp here, president if you're number Temp. two, whereas yes. the state senate, the president is President Pro Temp. I don't know why that, I don't get that whole Latin thing. But anyway, so Jeanette Morrison has been going around. She has a day job, social worker. But she's been stopping in at City Hall every day, talking to department heads. She's been representing the mayor at those kind of community events when they have this World War One reenactment movie about the rescue dog, you know. She was there, dressed up with everybody in period costumes. She, uh, you know, she was there when the governor came to Wilbur Cross to announce increases in the graduation rate. So, uh, any thoughts? Do you think she, she's going to women's campaign school at Yale this mm-hmm. year? I think I've watched her grow. You know, she and Taisha Walker in their six years on the board of Alders, a little more. I've really watched them grow into leaders. And, you know, I don't know where it's going to go next. Any thoughts? I wouldn't. Honestly, well, no, she's the mayor in charge. It's fine. <laughs> okay, you don't have a lot to this say is, about this. Stuff I know. This, this one just stayed on the tarmac. It took no risk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is she... We have no issue. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to take I mean, issue with I mean, I right. like her. She's doing a good go. job. Hey, I feel safe at night. Exactly. She's in charge. Black women ought to run this whole daggone country. Boom. Do we have any, <laughs> any why is there not a black woman up? running for governor? No emergencies came up. And no. basically, Anybody? that's why you're there. Like, so in 2013, okay. we had the biggest snowstorm in 130 years. Mm-hmm. Um, John Stefano was in Ireland. Mm-hmm. So George Perez, the president board at the time, was there in the emergency room <laughs> trying to make the decisions with the staff about what resources to deploy where and that kind of stuff. And Jeanette knew like there was some big series of homicides or big fire or something or, um, you know, a public health emergency. She was there and when decisions have to be made. She gets the sit rep. And she was used to that because she has, uh, she's she been over 20 years, 25 years, she's been a social worker with the state and part, and part of the time she was the 24-hour yeah, crisis no hotline worker. 
Not the one who answers the phone, but the one who gets called out if a kid needs to be removed from a home in an unsafe situation. So she said it was just like that when I know that any time I'm going to get the call and I'm ready. So mm-hmm. then she's qualified. She's qualified yeah. to sit in. As <laughs> I said, no just problem. Just like Guy yeah. Smith, he's qualified. He showed up at New Hallville running for It's kind of dope that our town, yeah. like, a succession of, like, if something, she if the mayor shot. needs to be somewhere else, there's always another black woman behind her. I kind of like that. That is interesting. That is interesting. I didn't I think like about that. that. Three in a row. I'm just saying. I'm getting my wig out. If if we maybe should have a black woman for governor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, I think it's just be? I think it's looking like white men. Susan Bicewitz is the only woman on the on the. Democrat and I don't side. like her. So how come Susan Denise Boucher. Napier didn't run for, for governor? Denise Napier, why didn't she run for governor? Oh, she didn't even run for treasurer again. I know she's like I'm done. She, yeah. she she put her. You know what you. I know you she's just been do this, there for like, 20, listen. 25 years. Yeah, she's Long like, time. I've had enough of I mean, this. She, was in the, she was in this treasury since the 80s. I am concerned that there are no black women running, though. I am concerned about that because there's enough talented black women in this whole state. Any black men? This was supposed to be the year of the Any woman. Any black men Yes, there are. Shan Wooden is running for state treasurer. Oh. Sean Wooden is at the lead for state treasurer. Okay. But, but no, your point's still taken. And there's no, but I don't understand how there are no women. Like, so on the Republican side among 24 candidates, you have Aaron Stewart, who's a viable candidate, does not going strong. Tony Boucher, who I don't think is going to get it. Democrat cider. It's all white men except yeah. for Susan Bicewitz, who I don't think is going to, I mean, she's got a real shot. She's in the mix, but you know, I don't think she's a leading person, leading person. So what, uh, I wonder why is that it is. Is it a season for black women? It for is. For women too. You know, uh, no, uh, let, let's think about it. In this season of Trump, is it really a season for a black woman? To be, uh, yes. Know? Cause black women, Cause black are, women have I'm been taking him that. on, Taking so day him on one, from day one, and and like, <laughs> from day one. So here's an interesting point in so your guys' perhaps, disagreement right you? here. No, but it, what your point here is that a, a lot of what happened last time is that um, the Democrats taking Joe Ugly's suggestion there felt they had a appeal to the de- to Trump person, and they really didn't fire up their base, yeah. which would have been black votes. Even though black women did turn out and vote for Hillary, the the vote vice was, there's now an argument that Democrats are going to have to field candidates who are diverse and do fire up the base rather than trying to out Trump the Republicans by going for the angry white male vote. Let me also say, I'm just, as the only black man in the room, let me just, I, I am compelled to say that I understand there's a strong support from the black woman community, but there are a lot of black men has been uh, disenfranchised with their vote. Their vote has been dis- either by incarceration and losing the right to vote. So it's not like the black men don't want to vote. Not that they don't want to be a part of the process. So I don't, I want to be very careful because I've been hearing this this tidal wave just swelling over here where it's a, you know, black woman, black woman, which I support, sisters. You, you know, know, when I black men go to jail, who is, However, who is home holding it down? That's not my point. My point is the swell. Black women are going to jail that's too. That's not my point. I'm not We're saying being disenfranchised not. too. I am not, I'm not saying that black women are not. But what I am saying is this high percentage of black men who have been placed in prison and has lost their right to vote at a higher number than black women. And that I know a lot of them that would love to be part of the voting process. Mm. That's all I'm saying. And who we need want, movements for the re-enfranchisement the, of black men? Well, sir, we need to see. Look, we? We, look, look, I'm just look. <laughs> I say we across the board, not male, female, or else. What I am saying is that we need to put that effort that strong effort to make sure that black men are being able to vote right now. I could feel my brothers like, yeah, Joe, I'm just saying. I'm well, not black looking, women can I'm walk not... and chew gum at the same time. So while we've been fighting that battle, we still should work on getting black women elected because black I'm women are black, black women, women are at the elected. intersection Wait of a minute, pause. I black, said that women, black women. Can I just say elected. what I'm going to say? Oh. You had the mic. 
Black women are at the intersection at almost everything. Intersection. We're at the intersection of issues that affect people of color, and we're at the intersection of issues that affect women. You fix those issues, you fix everything that's wrong in this country. Uh, that's I am what not I saying. saying that black women that means are not black men rise. Of that means rise. everybody rises. You know, we're always talking about if we do this one thing for this one group, all tides rise. But, yes, but if you help black women, if you help the blackest everybody woman, everybody gets lifted. Everybody gets lifted. When you help I us, think that's we all argument. get lifted. I was raised by a black woman. You get lifted. You get reenfranchised. You get to do all these things you want to do. I'm trying again, trying, trying to, to help you. That. I'm not even <laughs> arguing that point. But what you're I welcome. Am, what I am concerned about is there is this feeling. And you, whether it's right or wrong, feelings just are. You just don't dismiss it. It's just not being a feeling out there that black men don't feel like they're not being counted as because, like, they're in it. They, they're not. Uh, they don't want to be part of the process. Black men should get information. To, it's just like all I'm saying is black men will get information and have they that information it. and will be willing to help. I have. You know, you won, black man. Oh, but, <laughs> you know but, don't, but there we go. Across but from outside, but I'm saying when you organize your black men to get information, many. come on, look, we ready. I'm one of many. We ready. And what I'm saying is that hey, look, I'm not going to black, you know, male, female. I'll be the last person. To let you that started this joke. Well, no, what I am, <laughs> what I am going to highlight. I started off this. I'm not saying that black women should not run for office. Or oh no, I know be what you're saying. Office, but all I am saying is that there are black men. You want us who, to let you do what exactly? Like, what are we stopping you from doing? Nobody said that you're stopping. Whoever whoever came at you like It sounds like that's what you're saying, Joe. I mean, it sounds like you you want us to let you do something. What what is it, Joe? What I'm saying is that that tone (laughs) that's coming across as if it's not a stop. You know, when I hear tone... You know, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, so a, isn't the answer just that's black a dog, men? That's wait, wait, a dog that's, whistle. Not, that's not a dog, <laughs> but Joe, isn't the I answer just like if you tell me I came with a tone? But Joe, isn't the idea is that black the answer then is more black men should stand up and run for office? Let this be a like black Rodney fight. Williams, some people <laughs> run. <laughs> you trying to get? I'm trying to figure out. Black I'm, fight here. But I'm on. trying to figure out from the outside <laughs> is this is the history of the civil rights movement that women did so much of the leadership behind the scenes, but the men had all the roles. Yes. So now that God forbid some black women get in office too, you're feeling like black men are getting cheated or left behind. In some way, nobody's leaving you That's behind. Not what I am saying. What are you All saying? All I am saying is that I don't want it to be a situation where it's silent. I, I don't. We can't worry about how it sounds, Joe. We got to worry about what it is. Well, we must worry how it sounds because nope. we're no. We, we, we don't. We don't, we don't have to be concerned like, about got, how it we sounds have to, to anybody. No, we don't. Yes, we do. I think that's we, the actual problem that we're so worried about how it sounds because during the civil rights movement, oh, it doesn't look right if there's a woman out front. Well. It didn't sound right. But there were women out front. There but, were women getting arrested. Rosa Parks was kicked off that bus, and it was other black women kicked off buses. Understood. That touched off not all that. It was black women getting raped. That touched off all of it, not, Joe Ugly. Not saying no. And, and yeah, black looked. men were still being lynched, and all those things were still happening. But it didn't matter what it looked like or who it was happening to. It was happening to us, all of us. <laughs> as long as we I never said no to any of what you were saying. I never said that black women should not be in power. I never said that black women should sit back and let black men be in front. That's not what it is. I just think that I don't want it to say, it, it sounds, not that I don't want it, it sounds as if black men is not included in this battle anymore. That's all I'm saying. Isn't it a question of who steps up? I mean, and Sean wouldn't step on for treasurer. Uh, his campaign person just called matters. me today is a black woman helping him get elected. Isn't it a question of who steps up to run? I, don't I know. think I'm this question, question of what it sounds like doesn't matter to me. 
I, and, I, I and people who are about this work don't care what it sounds they just care that it gets done i just care that people get free i just care that people get equity that they get what they need exactly. to live a, I don't a think free Joe, Joe, life it's, it's, it's okay that's for it. black women to i don't care if harry droves is out front well, <laughs> i don't well, care no, if he's I, out front and it gets I, me I, free I don't care if he gets credit. Give him all the credit. I don't care. That's not that's nonsense, Joe. But it's but but Marquisha and Babs are right. You're wrong. (laughs) Thanks, Harry. (laughs) I see you at twelve. Yeah. Yeah. He's like he's already sweating too. He's like, I'm gonna come out my vest. And I see you now. I see you now on Pundit Friday (laughs) on WNHH 103.5 FM, your home for community radio, live stream New Haven Pendant We're running down the headlines of the week with the rest of you know. I, the best analysis I heard all this week about I got the heated there. You man. did. You, you did, Joe. That was great. Wipe up. The best, uh, the biggest rated news event of the week, although it did the second day lose some of its live cable coverage, was Mark Zuckerberg's testimony oh, before Congress, it. House, and then Senate about <laughs> Facebook's like privacy and data <laughs> just, sharing and Russian. Uh, My favorite moment was when Dick Durbin said, "So, do you want to tell us where your what hotel you're staying in?" And he got silent. Uh, no. He's like, well, do you understand? That's privacy, right? <laughs> well, Harry Jones had an interesting observation. He thought there was a pivotal moment where the whole thing turned that said a lot about where power resides in our country. Mm-hmm. Did you want to tell us a little bit about Barry, what you thought the turning point of that hearing was? Well, I, I just thought that he went in nervous, and you could tell he was nervous. And after about an hour... You could tell that he realized that didn't know that they didn't know anything anything. at all Mm -hmm. and that he was the smartest person in the room. Oh, no, he was the most tech. Well, informed informed in the room person in the room. So he realized that an hour in and then you could tell his shoulders just relax. Mm -hmm. And he thought it was just a a show and he knew he was part of the show. I think when Harry pointed this out to me, they were, he, was, he was asked, I believe, Harry, three times in a row a question about Snapchat and the relationship mm-hmm. of the data that was used by Facebook. WhatsApp. 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 Yeah, and, and when they asked, I forgot which senator was asking him about WhatsApp, but um, they asked him if he used the data from WhatsApp to, to gear advertisement to different people. Mm-hmm. And he, he explained to them that WhatsApp is encrypted, so they can't use anything coming from WhatsApp to, and th- and the room just looked at him. Like, what's that mean? Like, what right, right. are you talking about? <laughs> right. And he, and you could tell in his face, he was like, mm, I don't, don't know how to dumb this down. Oh. You know? Uh, you could tell. And what's funny about that is every politician in there works for parties that try to get every little bit of data to market to you in every sleazy way they can. But I think what Harry was also touching on was here's this guy in his young 30s, right? Against these older, mostly much older senators and who, who seem in this room to have a lot of power because they're conducting a Senate hearing when they really have no clue how information, which is the biggest weapon in the world right now, Russia that's is very using telling well. about what we're who has power this, in our society. Uh, and when it's not even. It's not even. It's a, it's a power thing, but it's also telling where the divide is in information technology, where the divide is, and and how th- there's him, and then there's them, and then there's this whole chasm that's wide open where people fall through or fall up or fall down they don't get it they don't you're, they you're, sat you're, there and they did right. not it's get him it. it was him them and then the rest of the world yes mm-hmm. you know and and it didn't ma- it doesn't matter the party right it's the bubble 
that they live in. Because you could have had a whole bunch of fifth graders and they would have got everything yeah. he, <laughs> he said. <laughs> and they would have asked different kinds of questions and they would have said, well, what about this? And what about these cats sitting in, in this congressional hearing didn't know Jack. And Dean, Dean Ugly says. Was it just that? I'm willing to be a little more cynical than that. Or could it have been based on campaign contributions? Support. Could it be that these guys were backing off? Because I was looking at the California delegates, for example, and I went back and I checked, but Kamala Harris did not take any money from him. And she was the hardest that it was coming from. Mm. See, I was watching that. But the rest you of were. them were backing off. That's she, a good she, point. She, she, she is she, sharp. Yeah, she, she is sharp as a tack. But I think there's something to that when you don't take money from something. Exactly. That old You're adage is, yeah. you don't bite the hand to feed you. Mm. That's still oh, true. Do you want me to delete you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you know, I will erase your entire digital presence. <laughs> you know, I do think there It'll was be power like you never involved existed. too. Yeah. He had more money, I think, than all those senators combined. Mm. Mm-hmm. He has two billion people who information well, flow he controls. Yes, yeah. and I who's know. spending up yep. hours and hours a we day. We all should be thinking about why we live world. on Facebook land. <laughs> so, and they're one of fifty senators and one out of four hundred thirty-five congressmen. There's no comparison to who had the power in that room. Right. He had, the, like you said, access to over 2 billion people. Max they have, max combined is probably 100 million combined. And when you have that access to power plus the money, I think somebody's going to be paused to watch what they say, especially when you're accusing the person in front of you of being able to put out false information. Yeah. If I'm running for office, and that's another I'm, joke. I'm where all these politicians put out so much false information. So what you just office. said, he because because Mark Zuckerberg is is so powerful. Like he literally could buy Twitter and put our president right out of commission. commission. I wish he would, but <laughs> like because Twitter's not making any money anyway. If he made them a reasonable offer, they'd be like okay, and he could be like delete. <laughs> he wouldn't even have to ever like do a video where he right. talks to all the people in Facebook land, all of us in Facebook land. He could just be like, so we're going to stop now. <laughs> we're going to stop doing this. <laughs> I just bought Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know who I'm, whose account I'm closing first. But then we'd, we'd have some discussions about free speech. I love this. Marquisha But Ricks. that's interesting. I, I'm that that does. Like, I, that, y'all, like, I really didn't think about how powerful he is in that way. He, he A, has more money than all of them. Yeah. And B, he could just buy and Twitter. He could, and he controls so much information. And yeah. if that's the way our president chooses to communicate with us. And that's why I think our, our Congress... He'd be doing us a service, but that very, also puts a lot of power in his hands. They, 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 they were very that somebody to go after A him. corporate person has so much power. He had them in power. check. And I think he realized that he had them in check. He realized that, oh, they're concerned about... As something. long as he doesn't get upset. Because yeah. he knew that. Yeah. He really knew that. Right. He did a pretty pretty smart job So that's that. what I saw in it. Yeah. Wow. So they, they were watching. They were tracking it. That as soon as he like just didn't get upset, and, he, and that moment Harry talked about, Facebook's share price went up. Yep. <laughs> I need to go check my stocks and make sure I got some Facebook on it. <laughs> Two billion or something. He That's made. crazy. Ridiculous. Meanwhile, there was another election. Let me get election. on the phone and call my man right oh, what now. If, what if he wants to run for office? Well, you know, he did a national tour last year where it was a, a trial run to run for office. He had was an advanced it? team to listen to what Americans think. He doesn't want to be president. No, he's got too much power to want to be. But president. he might have somebody he wants to, to be. Run. Sure, like Bill Gates, you know, had his his uh, senator and everything. So, so there was an election this week in New Haven. Unlike the one for sexiest man at three sixty state, this one was not in contention. It was a pretty clear margin, and some people thought there wasn't going to be. The city's uh, supervisors union 
uh, Ask Me 3144, mm -hmm. which is an odd title since a lot of them are people who are supervised by other people in the union and aren't supervisors, <laughs> but that's another argument. And somehow that became a great cause to keep it that way. But the, uh, they, they, had a, they haven't had a contract for years. They had a change in leadership that was very closely fought, just like 10 votes. New president, new team said, we're still going to fight for you, but also not just fight, fight, try to come to a conclusion. And within months, they got a contract reached. And last night, there was a vote. It was a pretty solid margin last night. It was 175 to 93 in favor. So they approved this new contract for five years. And they get raises, 2% 2 and 2.5% a year. And in return, they gave some health care givebacks. They're paying a little more toward their retirement and their health care, but they're keeping the kind of plans they have. And they have to do something that the Yale workers agreed to do and some other unions agreed to do, which is that you have to do things to stay healthy. You have to see a doctor every year. And if, um, and if there's some kind of preventative thing you're supposed to do and you don't do it, you pay a penalty. So some people didn't like it. And it was, so there was a good debate about it. And it was significant that neither people vote against. The people who voted for it didn't think it was perfect. But the people against say the same kind of arguments people make as Obamacare. It might drive up costs, you think, if I do healthcare a certain way and don't want to put my money in and make this decision, but I have my individual freedom. Then the other side says healthcare costs are out of control, and if we want to still have good healthcare and be able to pay for it, we got to have solutions where everybody pitches in. I and that's, sort of, that's sort of where that came in last night. It was kind of interesting. I thought it was a, a good debate and, um, and a good conclusion, because I think what's really at stake is one person who voted for it said, look, I don't like to give any give back. But I'm really lucky now for five years, I still got a solid health insurance plan. I got a retirement plan. It's not, a, it's not those kind of uh, second tier health care plans. I'm just paying a little more, but I'm not doing with it. Because some people say we have to be like the private sector, 401k insurance, the retirement type plans. You don't get as much covered by health insurance. And I think it's been misguided that we blame unions for having good benefits. I think that we should not try to have a race to the bottom for how people can't, get scared to get sick and can't afford it or retire. <laughs> I, exactly. but, but I do think unions, the smart unions who want to preserve that also know that cities and states are running out of money and that the level of benefits was unaffordable. So you have to find ways to fix it without throwing out what's good about it. So one way to fix it, you know, at the state level, they talk about where you, you don't have retirement based on your last few years that you get when you kind of jack up the um, average of your salaries, the years you jack up the overtime. Or you pay a little more toward the insurance, the retirement, but you're still mostly getting subsidized and you still have a, a real plan that really covers what you need. So I salute the workers for both having the debate, people who voted both ways in that election. And I, I think it was a promising because there's still a bunch of city contracts that are, are outlying. Paul Wessel had a really interesting comment on, his story, on the story today because he's sort of a labor movement guy historically, but he had a management job at City Hall for a while under Stefano and traffic and parking. And his observation was that there's so many city unions that don't have a lot of members and that when they're each negotiating, they never want to give anything back, but they don't have enough power among them to also negotiate together for a good trade-off mm -hmm. and also to do it coherently. So if one union is going to agree to be this plan where you get penalized if you don't take care of yourself, then some other union... Are they still going to have to agree? You know, if you're all together saying coherently, the cops, the firefighters, the supervisors, the blue collar workers, if you all together say, here's what we think is responsible sitting down with the city and seeing how much money they have and don't have. And this is what we still need as workers. So it's not all on us to make up fiscal shortfalls. Paul Wessel's point was that if we do what the state does, the state has CBAC, S-E-B-A-C, which is the coalition of all the state unions. They negotiate together, despite what the propaganda you hear. They gave back quite a bit, but they also preserved decent retirement plans and health care. And they gave back more than I wish they had because they do have a partial, the newer employees do have a 401k style um, plan. 
But in general, they were able to do what Paul Wessel said because they were one big group and it wasn't parochial fiefdoms. I just thought that was an interesting point on Paul, on Paul Wessel's point. But, but Dean uh, Ugly is chewing this over and wondering what, what he thinks on it. No, I just don't understand what people find uh, freedom so much, uh, how much they're going to enjoy their freedom if they're sick. Right. I get that. <laughs> that gets me too. It's like, really I would smoke this cigarette and ride this bicycle. <laughs> so it's like, it's like the, uh, it is that no vote really was the anti Obamacare vote, which is that you shouldn't have forced me if I'm healthy to pay for my health insurance premium. But unless everybody pays in, the people who are sick can't really be paid for. Right. Yeah. That's just how insurance works. <laughs> like it's never not worked that way. There was another union issue this week. The police union at Yale hasn't had a contract for years. Oh, yeah. They have 50 negotiating sessions. They haven't been able to oh. get there. Oh, and so they were picketing stuff. last weekend because oh, thousands of, of parents yeah, and kids came down. who, kids who have been ele- accepted to Yale but haven't decided if they're coming there or some other fancy school. <laughs> so Yale woos oh, them for the weekend. A, that they, was a they, pretty good uh, move. Smart. Yeah, so they, they <laughs> call Bulldog Bays. They rent Your out the Your kids are not going to be safe. They rent out the Schubert. Which so is they, rude because they, they throw the city under the bus. They're like, who knows? Even not as safe as you think it is. Before we even go to that level, I That's have a cold. child over there. You do. And if I know for five seconds that that police department feel that they don't have to protect my child, let me tell you something right now. I have a problem. They said the opposite, Joe. They said, we are going to protect your child. Okay, no. They put out leaflets. What did the Joe's like, I'm bad. Here's what the flyer said. Okay. Marquise's point is they threw New Haven under the bus, not that they say we're not going to protect your child. Even though we're like the safest city in right. Connecticut right, right so, now. <laughs> so, so New Haven, so Yale brought out the Schubert, brought these people, and then the union came and flyered and said, New Haven and Yale are really dangerous. And you really oh, need they're us. They're not as safe as you and think they, they said, are. And they said, we're going to protect your kid. What we're doing is important, and Yale's trying to shortchange us. So here's what Yale did. They had people working there. They ran out and snatched. <laughs> The flyers out of the people's, out of the, out of the oh people's hands and gave them this idea of what this liberal university <laughs> really stands for. <laughs> they were caught on video. People that was pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, going to Harvard. I, I know you heard one. Thing, was that was it a setup? You know was that was a theater? What was that? It was outside theater. They were picketing and they didn't think Yale was going to come and snatch flyers out of people's hands. That that worked to their their purpose. <laughs> that worked to their advantage for sure. <laughs> Joe Joe's wrestling with this. Oh, no, that, I'm not wrestling at all. The only thing I have to say is that, you know, what so I, Yale did what some dirty. They went is, dirty? Because that's dirty. Isn't that Yale dirty? Yale has been dirty on labor relations for like 50 years. Well, I know that, but this is but this is this is uh physical dirty. Why would they even put it on and, and put it on flyer that your child is not gonna be do you, They're trying to scare these people so that Yale will negotiate with them. And but that that's is that not is helping a me as a parent who child is there. I they're not worried that about you. Me, exactly. <laughs> that's the problem because that's how they get in that doggone check. Well, they're, they're hoping they, you're gonna like, contact the school and say, Hey, I'm not contacting I have a kid. the school for help you. I'm just saying this is a tactic as a negotiation. That's my point. I think Joe has an interesting point in Marquisha that fits into Marquisha's point earlier throwing New Haven on the bus. Does it really help us all to knock down our community and say it's not safe when it actually is for the right. most part. Why can't you talk up the fact that it, like Yale is a part of the system that keeps New Haveners safe, including your kids? Right. right. We've done a good job to keep. And we've your done kids a good safe. job. Like Correct. you can, you can brag on that, and job. we'd like to continue to. We're not going to stop doing a good job. But don't you think it's it would be fair if we could get a contract with our employer? And, and if blah, they get blah, people blah. not to come to Yale, does that help them? I don't no. know. No, because they're like, oh, well, we need fewer police in our private police force. <laughs> so, and then when they come to Yale, then they shade. get too scared. Because when, when I came to Yale in 78, they Our tell private you, police force that we pay more than our New Haven police officer, shade. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm you're done. right. She's right. Shade. She's right. <laughs> but, you know, when I came to Yale, they said, don't, New Haven's Do scary. Don't Academy? even go to the green. So I don't know no. if that helps the police union or the labor <laughs> movement to make students scared of the city. Or they filter our actual police officers. Yes, exactly. 
I, you know, sorry, it, it would be in their best interest to say they have a shared destiny. You know, that's mm-hmm. my favorite thing. Yes. Exactly. Shared destiny rather than. You need to get that on a t-shirt. I know. <laughs> that's my Don't, favorite thing. I hate they, they negotiation gotta, they gotta, from right. that, a scare tactic. You got yeah. a scare tactic because that, the, what you're trying to do, although you're targeting at that picket, just the parents who are coming. What about the parents who are here, who have kids here right now and see something like that? How is that parent supposed to feel? I don't feel like my child is safe because of your actions. And I think that it should be totally off the table when it comes down to negotiating for whatever it is. Safety should never I be I think Marquise is the right. Table, they should period. have tooted their own horn about how, yeah, they how good That's they are. exactly what you they know. should have done. You're absolutely right. Well, I'm tooting the horn I'm to the best. Because so then they could call you as a parent and maybe you'd be like, I will call oh, Yale and I, say they should so, negotiate with exactly. you because I like the services that my son receives. I know that he's protected and he's safe. I'll be the first one to tell you, Yale is like that bad landlord, that bad neighbor that will put a broke down car on the front lawn. I, <laughs> I, I know this. You know, that could be the worst neighbor. I know this. And I, that's, that's but the best neighbor in the business however. who kept you informed all week were the pundits on Pundit Friday. Thanks for joining us, Joe <laughs> Ugly. Basil's Ivy, congratulations. Another week of just every day doing it. Yay! Marquisha Ricks, the best reporter in the business. Harry Jarosz, the bravest man in the business. <laughs> but uh, we heard today is men need to stand up, right? Is that what Joe said? I. Go for it, man. Yes. Okay. Do you think? Go, men. I'm not taking a stand. I'm just saying. That's what we said. We'll go, be where go we always men. are. Go black. Thanks men. for joining us, State Line Behaving. <laughs> We're going to take it out. I co-sign. I co-sign. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic <laughs> experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. Now, we know what it's like to be free. We just got to remember to book our flight. Why don't you book your flight and fly free with us all weekend long here at WNHH, New Haven's home for Community Radio.